Hello, I'm Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg, and we are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, Alan. How about you? I'm doing well. Um, it's it's kind of a, a little weird for me because from the at the time that we're recording this, IO is is about to happen, and IO every year is a really really exciting time for me. Um, but uh, by the time people see this, IO will already have started. So as you can kind of see, I'm I'm trying to get into the IO mood a little early here. Yeah, where uh, are you? Well, so so this is uh, as it says at the Shoreline Amphitheater in beautiful Mountain View, California. It's literally across the street from Google's campus. And for the past few years, they've held IO at the Shoreline Amphitheater every year. So, you know, some people have said, you know, they they went to a rock concert and a tech conference broke out. Um, <laughs> IO is a pretty interesting thing most times. One of the cool things about it, you know, so, so I'm here as I always am wearing my, my blue shirt and glass and my, my glass hat, uh, and I, I have my IO water bottle with me today. So, you know, um, I'm all set and ready for IO, but this year it's gonna be virtual. So I'm not actually in Mountain View, California this year. But oh, that's I like bad. to feel like I am. Yeah, no, and you know what? I, you'd brought it up uh, today. Uh, we were talking about this a little earlier, but my cup matches you. So, uh, but you'd said you had noticed that a while ago, so. Blue's a, not a intentional. Great I'm I'm but, always I'm always in favor of trendy blue cups. Okay, well that's good. <laughs> so um, we don't know what's going to be announced at Google I/O. We're no, we hoping don't. it's going to be big and significant, um, but it seems like there's just been I don't know some things that have just kind of slipped in underneath the radar recently, last few months, um, yeah, or so. Um, and you know, maybe they'll talk more about it. Maybe they won't, but uh, it'll be good, good conversation for us to have. Right. So, you know, we figured this week we record before IO itself, although the show is going to be airing during IO. So we figured we would talk about some of the new things that have come out recently, both for, for Google and for Alexa. And next week, if anything really big and really cool come up uh, at IO, we'll talk about some of those things again. So I know one of the things that is, uh, has, has been silently released and is now available that you and I have discussed mm -hmm. a couple of times, and it's now finally here and available, is... What is it? Time zones! No, really? Yes. Seriously? Seriously. You now get the time zone information in two different ways, actually. Okay. So, so the first way is... Uh, in the session, there is a field in the JSON that gets sent called device, and it contains some device information, usually the device capabilities. That now also contains the time zone for the device. And so what, and what format is it in? It is in, um, I, I forget the correct name of the standard for it, but it's basically, you know, America's slash new underscore York. Okay, all right. So that's so the same a, way that, that, that Alexa gives you the time zone. Okay, so it is in one of the standard time zone formats. And additionally, and this was kind of interesting when I went to, to look up details about it, it also contains an additional field indicating the version of the time zone database that hmm. comes with it. If for whatever reason, multiple versions may be sent at once, I don't 
I don't really know how this is terribly useful. Yeah, I'm like, how would I use that? <laughs> well, uh, it's more like if it tells me it's not the current version, am I actually going to go look up? And why in the world is this device running on a two-year-old version of the database anyway? And yeah, that's interesting. So hmm. I, it, it it's a little weird, but it's there. You can ignore oh. it. I intend to. Right now, I haven't seen any actual value in it, but in theory, it could be used. Um, so, so you'll get it as part of the device information, but you also now get it, and this was a complaint that I had for a while in, uh, in date time and date, uh, in date time fields for intents and in date or time slots that are in a scene, if they get populated and there might be some ambiguity about what time zone that date or time would apply to, Hmm. The time zone gets sent with that as well. So, for example, if I say, you know, if I have a date time slot and I say last week, it will include this time last, uh, this time one week ago, or this time at the beginning of last week, and include the time zone field in that. So oh, it's interesting. perfectly clear exactly what time this this applies to. Okay. And well, actually, no, that's, that's yeah, that's helpful. And you know. I didn't test this, but it occurs to me to wonder that if I'd said something like, you know, this time Pacific time or a week ago oh. in California. Ooh, that would be interesting to try. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't tested that one, but it would be interesting to see if that time zone information becomes relevant in a different way. Now, so is this rolled out? Is that something like I can add to Snatchword yep. now? Yep, totally available right oh. now. The yeah, because because the hack that I had to do with uh, with do for for Google on Snatchword was I just I just didn't do it. I just said, okay, what if your locale is U.S. English? I'm going to assume that your time zone is X, and just use a default time zone based on locale uh, because it was just too hard to get it. It was it was not worth the effort to get to it. But yep. that would be helpful. The the documentation for uh, the request format doesn't say that it's there. But if you examine the JSON, it is. And mm. I have confirmed with, uh, with Google Developer Relations that it is a supported field. And, and in fact, their library supports it. It's, it's documented in their library, just not okay. in the JSON format. <clears throat> Will it show up if I use um, the device, you know, the, sorry, use the um, Action Console test simulator? Or yes. do I have to actually use a device for that to show It'll up? show up if you use the test simulator. But there's not a way that I can change or configure that to a certain, a different time zone or. That's a good question. I don't know. I okay. didn't, I didn't play with it. You can set the location in right. the simulator, but I don't know if it is smart enough to follow the time zone for that. Or if you need to do something like change the time zone on the machine that you're simulating with. Oh, okay. Either could be an option. Okay. Right. I, I'm guessing that's where it would get it from when it was running the simulator. All right. Well, that's good to know. Well, that's exciting news. Yes, I figured you would be very excited by that. One, <laughs> we, what kind of stuff has Alexa done recently? Um, one of the things that I've been playing around with recently is sending a pin code and making sure that you um, say the pin code before you could access certain parts of a skill. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, but the part that that's it's separate from this because you can use personalization by itself, 
but PIN requires personalization. So let me quickly talk about personalization and then I'll talk about PIN. Okay. So personalization has been out for a while. Um, when you have a skill and you go ahead and enable it, then each household like account gets its own, um, the field's called user ID as part of the request. It's a unique ID that you can use. And that's what I use to, to save stuff off for the database for user session and, and things that I, I, I can bring that back and keep track of, of where people are. But you also have the ability to have a person ID. So uh, let's say that myself and you know, somebody else in my household, person A and person B, can each set up a voice profile on our Amazon account. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens by going through a series of questions and saying different phrases back or, or different things and assigning that profile a name. So once that's done, I could walk up to an Alexa device and say, hey, you know, Alexa, who am I? And uh, it would say, oh, this is Mark's account. Uh, this is Mark and, um, mm -hmm. and it's Mark's account. If somebody else says it, then I would say, this is so-and-so and this is, you know, Mark's account. Mm -hmm. um, it's, sim it's similar to, to Google's um, voice matching. And yeah. 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 So what happens then is that each request where it can determine who that person is, it includes a person ID. That's a unique person ID. And that stays consistent for that skill um, for, you know, for that person, that, unless they reset it. <laughs> yeah. yeah unless, unless they reset it. And so what that allows you to do is that you could have additional configuration information stored per person, you know, per real person, <laughs> as opposed to just a, a, an account user ID. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's, that, that's interesting. Um, and that's something that's required for, like I say, for pin access, because what you can do for that account, I can set up a pin, a four digit pin uh, for me and somebody else can set up on that account, a four digit pin for them. And so then what you can do is that when you go to use the skill, if it's something that you need to protect some information, it could be financial, it could be health or something else, if we want to protect it, then um, it, it verifies that the person that it recognized its profile for matches the pin that the person said that the pin, you know, is the pin. And then that you get back a, uh, mm -hmm. a an indication. What happens is it's actually a, like a flow where you hand it off to Alexa. I was going to say, so, so this isn't yeah. something that you need to handle. This is now right. the, the pin, you never see the pin code at all right. when they're setting it up or otherwise. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. So what, what happens is that you kick it off into this flow. They're going to say, what's your, uh, the pin. So that's, you know, that's terminology and a flow that Amazon controls all on their own. Um, at which point, if you get it wrong too many times, then you're going to get back a, um, like a, an account locked mm -hmm. um, and, or you're gonna get back that, hey, it was successful. I found out that the pin was successful mm -hmm. and, you can, and you can carry on. Um, you can set up a pin as either being mandatory or optional. Uh, mandatory obviously means that you have to have a pin and they have to do it. I think optional, I haven't looked into it further for enough, but um, I think it's like if I as a user want pin enabled, for this skill, I can say that it's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, but I can, I can, you know, like if yeah. I wanted to to keep it locked down, I can control it as opposed to make it that me as a skilled developer requires everybody to have a pin. So, is the pin entered by voice? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm yes. 
I have mixed feelings about that, but that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I do too. I would, I would like it to um, have like an accompanying APL screen on on a you know Echo Show device where it would give me a keypad where I could type it in instead. Yeah, or, um, or optionally, you know, puts it up on your phone in the the Alexa app so you could enter yeah. it in there if you wanted to. And again, allow for voice, sure, but give that option because that's yeah. So I think you know I. I, I think it's interesting and there's definitely some use cases for it. I would like to see it expanded in the future yeah. to be able to have more of a multimodal uh, pin entry as opposed to requiring it to always be voice. And it's interesting. This is actually um, one of the other things recently announced by Google is what they call secondary user verification. And they were a little vague on exactly what that was for. And it turns out that's it's a actually, long name. It's a nice name. Well, it's actually even longer, but um, <laughs> It's, it turns out it's just for smart home actions though, so hmm. that you can set up a secondary verification um, in, in addition to your, your voice match for various other things around the house that may be a little bit more secure. So, you know, you don't just want people walking up to your back door and saying, let me in. You also want them to enter in something on their phone. Okay. And this is again something that you, as the device manufacturer, need to enable. Or and one of the things you can do is enable it optionally. And you don't need to enable it for everything. So you know, if I let the user set it up for their garage light, they don't necessarily need to set it up for their living room light. Okay. So again, so I, I don't know a lot about it. Smart home isn't quite my thing, but it's another feature that was recently added that they haven't talked too much about. All right. So uh, what's something else on Google side? So, oy, um, so, let me, so there were two features that have recently been reintroduced, not so much as introduced. Okay. Uh, and these were two features that existed and still exist under Dialogflow, but when they rolled out Action Builder a year ago, went missing. Um, the first one is what's known as the collection browse. And it's kind of like a collection or a, uh, a list, um, which is a feature that has been there for a while, right. but clicking on it or selecting it, instead of taking you, some, you know, doing something else within the action, goes to a web page. And this is therefore only valid on devices that allow for web browsing, which right now is just the phone. It's one of the things that's got a fairly limited use in some ways, but it lets you do things like launch an app from an action or go to a web page from an action. Or you know, if you've got a lot mm -hmm. of your content on the web, it's a great way to get there. But it's limited because it doesn't work with voice only and it doesn't work with smart displays which don't really have a browser in them so it's good that they brought it back uh it's good that they are finally trying to catch up on all the features that they dropped when they launched action builder but it's of limited use the other one was one of my personal favorites and that's device location either course location or find location and again that right. was one that they dropped when they moved to action builder yeah. Uh, so it's back. It works slightly differently, but only slightly. So it's, it's not better than ever. Or... It still has um, it still has one major flaw, and that's that it's only valid 
for the duration of that session. So if you ask for a permission, it doesn't store, you're not granting it permission to permanently get this every time you sign in. You have granted it for that session only. And okay. then the next time you need to grant it again, if you, you're willing to give it. So it doesn't so work every time you well. every time you're using it, it's, it's pestering you for permission to get the location. Or it could pester you for the location to get the permission, right? And that goes through a flow that's controlled by the assistant and not by you. Okay. So, you know, you get the in order to get your location, Google needs to know blah 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 blah, which it adds a lot of friction to something that mobile devices have just granted you. You know, it's it's a weird, it's a weird situation still, and I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't make the permissions more flexible. Well, yeah, no, if you're a like a regular user of this and it requires permission, like you know, you're you're doing your bus schedule every day or something like that, checking on if your bus is ahead uh, exactly. on time or not, it's going to ask you every single day, and you're like, yes, yes, again, I. Please, yes, just stop asking me. As, yeah. Right, exactly. And I, you know, I understand why they do this, and I understand the security implications, but I do the trade-off against other apps on my mobile phone that give the location. And for those, I just need to authorize it once. Yeah. And I can revoke it. And maybe they just, I don't know. It it it's annoying and, and disappointing, but right. I'm glad the feature is finally there. Well, that's good. Um, there is some uh, additional updates to APL. Oh, um, and that's APL right. for audio, or what would be short termed as APLA. Um, so 1.6 version of APL is out because um, APL is its own thing. It's JSON format, and it can't just take an SVG as an SVG. It has to be an AVG, which is. Um, a special, you know, it's it's basically a subset um, that I guess a JSON subset of the functionality of SVG, something like that might be a, a way to describe it because uh, SVG is XML based. Um, but there are um, sites out there. One of them is called Lottie where you can do animations um, in SVGs. Mm -hmm. Well, now in the, um, the console where you're def defining your APL screens, you can now put Lottie stuff in there. Hmm. So that will that's going to allow people that have used that or that um, want to get their animations from the Lottie site, they can go ahead and now uh, put those into their APL screens. So that's I'm all up for that. Um, there is uh, some addition for the Echo Show 10. That's the, the newest version that rotates. The, the so dancing some, echo, as I like to call it. Yeah, so there are, there are some things what they call, they call them choreos, which I think is short for choreographs. Choreography. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Um, so there already were some, some shakes and some different things like that. Well, there's additional sweeps and shakes that are available. That's, I don't think there's anything you know, monumental but it, you know, at least a few more options there. This is interesting. We talked about before where sometimes we break the response coming back. 
from our um, mm -hmm. skills or actions because we put too much stuff in it that would happen you know it could happen in a number of different situations like if we're trying to come back to a list of thousands of things and and show it on like an interactive canvas or or um, yeah it, it seems like it could screen, be really yeah. easy to hit even reasonably small limits yeah so um according to the documentation for apl 1.6 they're increasing increasing the response size limit from 24 kilobytes to 120 kilobytes okay so they're uh, they're saying, hey, if you want to take advantage of all this goodness, then we're going to go ahead and give that give you so some more room to do that. A, a, a fivefold increase is good, and, and 120 yeah. kilo, you know, 120 k is still pretty small. I yeah. mean, you know, in, in terms of transmission size, that's pretty small. Yeah, and there's definitely things you can still do um, what you could do before an APL, which would be taking different parts of that and saving it as a different file and then importing um that file in um my understanding is, is that the file uh, the apl document goes all the way down to the device and then sees that there's an import and it goes ahead and pulls that import in and then caches it kind of like what like what a web browser would do with images or uh -huh. or um sound files or whatever something that's noteworthy for um apl for audio is uh one new property for duration so what that makes it is, is that oh, you, can, you can change the duration of the audio to match your text to speech. Um, uh -huh. So this would be, you know, um, Google's had that for quite a while with their special um, uh, tags the, for parallel. The SSML and, tag, yeah. Yeah. The SSML tag, yeah. Um, so, so now we get to do that finally. The way to do that is not through SSML. It's going to be through, um, through the APL um, audio functionality. And then there's also a repeat filter. Interesting. So you can have, you know, like a little sound bite repeating in the background uh -huh. um, as things happening, but you can, you can make things shorter or, or you know, matching the audio length and do well, background the, sounds. Right. The great part of that is that now you can have, you know, just this, the, the short repeatable clip that just keeps going on in the background while you've yeah. set up the audio and you don't need to worry about, you know, your, your background, um, your, your, your bed audio having to end at some particular time or, make sure the timing is exact. Yes. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. Actually, the the repeat uh, kind of reminds me of one of the other features that uh, has been released on the Google side, and that's two enhancements to the media player object. And media player is the way to do long form audio on the Google Assistant. So as in SSML, you get, uh, I think it's, 240 seconds maximum. Right. And some limitations associated with that as well. With the media player, you have several hours worth of audio right. that you can do. And now with that, they've added two new things. The first is uh, you can actually give it a playlist. So previously, oh, you, mm -hmm. you had to give it an array of a single URL of the audio to play. Now you can give it an array with more than one. And it was clear that they were intending that from the beginning. They just didn't implement it for some reason. Now they've implemented it. Oh, I, but I, I love those single single item arrays. Single, yeah, they're just fantastic. <laughs> um, and you could still send it a single item array. I, you know, I, I'm not personally sold on why there is a playlist because there's a lot of things that you don't get to find out 
So there's no notification, for example, when it goes to the next item in the playlist. Oh. There's no notification when you've skipped over. So there's a lot of things that you yeah. don't get once you just hand the entire playlist over. Um, but there are some very useful and practical uses for it. The other interesting thing that goes with that is that you can also set a flag to repeat the playlist when it hits the end. Oh, so, okay. you know, if you are, you know, our, our friend Nick Schwab, for example, who does, um, you know, ambient music noises for, for Alexa and Google Home, he can now just put on a single ambient noise and let it continuously repeat. He doesn't have to worry about monitoring for when it ends and sending it out again and possibly causing an interruption that'll be handled all on the client by itself. Yeah. And now I'm sure that would save some hosting and like uh, downloading uh, yeah. um, audio, you know, some bandwidth and, and cost there for, for him. That's interesting. So those are new features in the media player. I've been playing a lot with the media player recently and it's, um, there, there are still interesting glitches to it, but it's still just amazing what you can do with it. And we'll have to talk about media player another time. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there's something you can share with me sometime soon maybe. that has that. Maybe. All right. Sounds good. Um, just an, a note for those people that are interested in Alexa conversations, I call it dialogue management plus plus. Um, <laughs> Because the, the, the purpose of, dial, of, of Alexa Conversations is you still have some sort of a goal that you want to accomplish. And there's uh, you know, two or more slots that you need to fill. And you want to give flexibility in how you fill those slots, the order, if, um, if the person's going to you know, overfill um, by somehow saying multiple slots in one round um, until you get all the stuff that you need to, to then do this mm -hmm. one thing that you want to do. Um, that's where Alexa Conversations really shines. And now it's out of the like beta preview that it was in before and it's general availability in ENUS only. Ah. So I mean, it, you know, at, at the same time though, it's not exactly like I can really say Google is doing so much better on the non-ENUS only because yeah. I, as I think we've mentioned before, Google also released recently a bunch of built-in intents. So I think we've talked about the, the repeat built-in intent, which we talked about in our Pete and repeat episode. Yeah, um, exactly. They also released two others, a, a yes intent and a no intent and all three of them are also English only. Yeah, they, they do that. <laughs> it's, it's really annoying and frustrating though. Um, something that's interesting um, that's new, uh, newish is um, something called Alexa entities. And now we've, we've talked before about how we call things slots, you know, Alexa calls them slots and Google calls them entities. And now this is just going to be more confusing too, because now Alexa has entities too. Um, and, you know, before um, Alexa had like dynamic entities where you can build your own dynamic um, list of things that, that are, you know, kind of expanding your language model on the, mm -hmm. you know, while you're in the middle of, of using it. This is, um, this has to do with this Alexa entities has to do with knowledge graph. So there are certain built-in slot types um, that when you, when you use them and you've got knowledge graph um, um, 
capability uh, in your in your skill, then it's going to pass you some additional information. Um, so I'll give you an example. Let's say that you have a, a slot type, which is Amazon.person. And the person that you're talking about is a celebrity. Then you're going to get a URL that goes along with that celebrity. And then you can make an API call to the knowledge graph using that URL. And you could get additional information like, uh, you know, what, what's their birth date or where they're from, or, you know, there's just additional information. So this would be, you know, if you wanted to do some sort of educational or knowledge type skills, or, or you could probably even do a game that would go along with that. Um, I, I, I think I saw somebody trying to do, for example, a, a six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing with, oh, that's with this yeah. and with the knowledge graph. Uh, my understanding, it didn't work out too well. Oh, which was disappointing. <laughs> but no, I think this is great that you know you can um, you can use these types and they will will reference a a unique ID and you know this now lets you associate a unique ID with a number of things and that's that's incredibly useful yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure exactly what would happen if uh, you know if it couldn't disambiguate the person. Um, down to, you know, you have two people with question, the yeah. same name or, or if I didn't recognize it at all. Um, but just really quickly, the list of slot types that are available that this knowledge graph, uh, can, you can expand with knowledge graph is, uh, and these are all prefixed with Amazon dot, of course. Um, so person, movie, animal, city, country, book, author, TV series, actor, director, food, music group, musician, music recording and music album. I noticed that more than like three quarters of those are things that Amazon is well-versed in. Yes. Movies, TV shows, music and books. Yes. I uh, uh, wonder, you know, where, wonder where they got their data set from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's sad because I was, I was looking at that like, oh, this would be cool to use some, use someplace else, but the URLs aren't available. Um, you have to actually make the API call to get the additional information from inside your skill. They're, so they're, they're just identifier, they're URL identifiers. They're not right. really, they're not public URLs. Yep. Okay. Anything else good from, from Alexa recently? Uh, I've got one last um, item that's, okay. that's kind of interesting. Um, it is multiple value slots. So like if yeah. you, um, let's say that you're ordering a pizza and you want to be able to list the different in ingredients on your pizza, you can say, you know, add pepperoni. And then like, okay, pepperoni added, add extra cheese, extra cheese added. You know, that kind of gets monotonous. Um, go ahead. No, keep going. So what happens with that is that you still do your intent the same and you still do your slot the same, but you just mark the ingredient as a multiple value um, slot. And so you could say, add pepperoni, mushrooms, tomato, and che extra cheese. I, I am, the reason I am kind of hanging with my mouth open at this was I didn't realize that wasn't a feature before. No, it was not. Because that's been a feature on Dialogflow since day one. Oh, really? Uh, in Dialogflow and in Action Builder, for every property, you have a, a there's a checkbox that says, is list. 
Oh. And in those cases, it will give you the slot or parameter or whatever as a list instead of a single item. Okay, so it'll give you an array of it'll give you uh, an array, yeah. Of multiple of what of what you said. Well, yeah. Finally, Amazon has has caught up Very in cool. that situation. Yeah. Very cool. Only took yeah. a number of years. Yeah, well, you know. It's actually a surprisingly difficult thing to do correctly. Yeah. Because I've certainly seen people try to use it incorrectly and it works very poorly. Um, I think the only other thing that uh, that I have is that they've made a slight change to the simulator so that when you're doing testing, you can now add a test URL to use in the simulator that is different from the normal fulfillment URL. So for example, you could have a, a project that has a regular fulfillment URL for out on the web. And when you're testing it locally on yourself, you can point to your NGROC tunnel that goes locally. Oh, interesting. So I could, I could still use um, like my production um, language model and all that stuff. Um, does it only work in if you're doing Actions Builder or does it work with Dialogflow? I believe I saw it on the Dialogflow version of the simulator as well, but I wouldn't swear to that. It also wasn't entirely clear to me, and I have not robustly tested this, whether as long as I was in test mode, if any other device that would be using it in test mode would also use that test URL, or if oh, it was just for the simulator. Mm. It could go either way, and I haven't tested it robustly, and the documentation was vague. <laughs> I can't believe the documentation was vague. I know. Well, so here's the thing. I, you know, For half of these features I just talked about, I'm amazed they have documentation at all, and for the other half, they don't. <laughs> So <laughs> that, that this feature had documentation is itself kind of a minor miracle, you know? Yeah, that, no, that's a, that is, is interesting. It's kind of surprising sometimes how we come across and find these things if they're not really well documented. The, uh, the time zone one is actually one that I was in the middle of debugging something else and was looking through the, requ the, the request. Right. And I said, wait a minute, that's a time zone. What is that doing there? And, uh, you know, I had to go track down that, yes, it's legitimately there and then do some testing and discover that, yes, it legitimately shows up in parameter requests. Um, but they really did a good job at hiding the documentation on that one. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely one of those advantages, like we said on our debugging episode where- About making sure, yeah. Just be familiar with the request uh, and response JSONs because sometimes you just uh, you all of a sudden you see something and you're like, that wasn't there before, right? And, then, and it really helps you understand what's going on. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's always been some fun things. There's been uh, postings that I've seen with people on Alexa where they're all of a sudden they get some sort of new thing in the request and people are like, anybody else seeing this thing in the <laughs> request? What is that? And we're like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, that's interesting. And so then we like have. Have some fun trying to guess what what it might be yeah always always fun times um so you know we've seen a lot of uh cool new features at least i'm glad that we've gotten the features yeah. um i am really excited to see what comes out of io and uh we'll be reporting on anything new uh next week on two voice devs two voice devs take care everybody take care have a great week folks all right 
And we'll see you at uh, Google I.O., Alan. See you at Google I.O.